crisp. What a man. <laughs> um, yeah. What a man, right? I yeah. also, I just love listening to that interview because I feel like you guys, um, I, I love you guys interacting. And I remember the first time that you guys met was, was it the casino party at my house? Yeah. But yes. Jody and I went to Vegas and it then was... we came home and threw a Vegas party as my going away party. Was that the first time you'd met him? Oh, I think party it was before. a party before where we were hanging out and you just had tiny <laughs> models of furniture. And that was like your obsession yeah. for like yes. a solid two I months. I was really sad that I couldn't take my miniature uh, kitchen to Denver. <laughs> then I was... Also, that was a gift from Jody. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a miniature kitchen to, to, bi- to build and it was the best gift anyone's ever give- gotten me. He's really good at gifts. Um, but then I remember like looking over and seeing Jody and Ryan talking about, um, music and I was like, yeah, this is done. <laughs> it's like, this is a friendship forever. We connected over rap and nothing correct. in the same sense. So awesome. That was a fun interview. Yeah. Um, we're gonna Thank you. play my interview, which is with Ryan's mom, Leslie. Um, and yeah, it's a different vain also because i we spoke over the phone um i think i'd only met her once before when i came to pick you up one time and sort of Mm. saw her at the doorway but she's a really fascinating human and um i got a lot of good background info on her beforehand and was really excited to talk to her so let's do it how are you doing I am doing, it's just crazy busy right now. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah, real estate's really, uh, I guess we just can't build houses fast enough. So so that's crazy. And especially when you're building, when you're helping people with property, they're usually going through some kind of life event. Mm. And so there's a lot of, can be a lot of drama. I mean, usually like a marriage, a divorce, oh, wow. a death, yeah. a death, um, you know, uh, a job change. So mm-hmm. usually that, that stress carries over into, you know, their search for a home. <laughs> so yeah. I had never thought about that as being a pretty big element of real estate. That's interesting. It is. So it can be a happy time or it can be not a happy time. So right. uh, yeah, so I think I have more of abundance of not happy people right now. So, right. Yeah. The the balance has shifted in that yes right so that's kind of interesting it's kind of cool that we're going to be talking about like big life things and that's kind of your career is sort of right now centered around that for other people that's that's very true because i um because i don't think anybody grows up saying i want to be a realtor (laughs) so um (laughs) so including myself so i think it's just through a series of you know, um, life events that you just kind of, I don't think there was a lot of career planning, at least for me, it was more just like, uh, what ship is passing and I'm going to jump on it. So, right. So I didn't give it a lot of, um, thought, um, probably not as much maybe as I feel like, you know, Ryan is trying to, to do a methodical, you know, Mm. what am I going to do next? Um, Maybe I, I, in retrospect, maybe I wish I'd done a little bit more planning, but um, I I think things turned out well, so I'm happy with it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up as a kid? (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't a real estate agent. No, it was never. That was never on my uh, horizon. Um, I was very much um, as, as a kid growing up into like sewing and mm. creating um so at my my dream thing was probably to be a fashion designer or um I'd say yeah when I was my mom taught me how to sew when mm-hmm. I was probably in sixth grade and I grew up you know in Alcoa Tennessee and yeah. um yeah and my dream was to leave the small redneck area of East Tennessee <laughs> And go to to the big city of New York. So um, I remember uh, in in middle school, they took us on a tour of the University of Tennessee, and I was just kind of blown away by the home economics department. And um, they had us do a weekend sleepover there. So in my mind, there was nowhere else I was going to go. So, um, yep. And um, my father... uh, got promoted when I was uh, going into my, during my freshman year in high school, and we got transferred to Pittsburgh from Alcoa, Mm. and um, so I went from a high school of like 200 kids to a high school of 6,000, so that was a huge culture shock, (laughs) Um, and um, and, from there, uh, my dad got transferred again to New York when I was a junior in high school. So I did my senior year um, in Princeton, New Jersey, mm. and uh, I disliked every minute of it and <laughs> could not wait to come back to the South. So um, so UT was really the only college I applied to. Um, yeah. And my parents never gave me any input into my career or the thought it was just assumed that I would go to college, but it was never discussed what I was going to do. Um, mm. yeah. So, so they didn't have any, uh, there was no family business or kind of a trade that they were interested in for you. It was just sort of, they just knew they, were, they wanted yeah, to I go think to college. It, they wanted me to go to college and my father had grown up in a very rural background and he came, you know, off a farm with nine kids and um, mm. surpri- and they were very poor. Um, and surprisingly, they all really achieved a lot, a pretty great success um, in their careers, you know, economically. And mm-hmm. um, one of his brothers ended up being like Vice President Reynolds Aluminum. You know, they mm. all went on to do, you know, to get to, they all, I think they all went to college and they all, you know, did economically pretty well considering their backgrounds um Mm -hmm. but one of the downfalls my dad had traveled so much I I barely really saw him um much growing up and um and probably because of that my parents got divorced as soon as like after my freshman year in college so Mm -hmm. um so I started out like my mom had been a sorority girl and my dad had been a frat guy so it was just assumed that I would go down that path and um I did um um but I uh after after their divorce that the the economic situation changed dramatically Mm -hmm. so um I ended up having to pay for the rest of school myself um yeah getting a job working my way through school um, from that point on, um, so that put a whole new perspective on 
Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of a good one. Um, and I, I could also see my mom who'd really, she had gone, you know, she'd gotten a college degree, but she'd really never used it. She was kind of that, you know, 50s kind mm-hmm. of mom that didn't work, you know, um, mm-hmm. but now kind of had to. And um, my father pretty quickly remarried, and um, my mom didn't. And um, I think one of the takeaways I took from that was that I was never going to have to depend on somebody else to support me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and good or bad, that's kind of how it's been. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. so I felt pretty driven um, mm-hmm. to be successful. Um, and I, I feel like I have. I've done a lot of career changes. Um, so I wouldn't have envisioned kind of being where I'm at now. But um, mm-hmm. I think one of the takeaways is that I always try to be the best at whatever I'm doing. And usually economic right. success comes with that, usually. So, mm-hmm. um, But that's really not my primary goal. Um, but while I was in college, I, I was majoring in fashion merchandising, which they don't even have anymore. And wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, I remember I did like an internship at a department store and my department manager didn't even have a college degree. And that was kind of a wake up call. Like, mm. wow, I don't, I don't need a degree to do this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, what else could I do? I was like a junior, so I switched my major to textile science, um, which really should have been in engineering because it was really hard. A lot of calculus, and which I'm not good at. Um, <laughs> um, but it was really fascinating, the actual textile classes that I got to take. So, um, so then... I think with the downfall of my parents' relationship, I, I really had to start working. So mm-hmm. I bartended was really how I paid for school. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that like my junior and senior, and still it took me a, lot, a little bit longer to gra- to get out of school. And um, mm-hmm. so once I did that, um, then it was kind of like I think what you, what what I feel like Ryan's kind of going through is like, okay, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality of even the textile industry was that um, it wasn't. I, I think I just didn't really have a good sense of reality about you know mm-hmm. work and, and career, and I really hadn't been anywhere outside you know the places we had lived in in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So um, so at that time. I had uh, met Ryan's dad, but, um, you know, he played football at Tennessee, and commitment wasn't his, uh, (laughs) at the top of his list. Right. (laughs) So uh, we kind of went back and forth in our relationship and um, never wanted to get married at the same time. (laughs) So we kind of dated for like 10 years um, before we we got married. Um, So... Um, so I did a lot of things in between, um, Mm -hmm. and lived in a few cities. So my first job out of college was his family lived in New Jersey. He's from like, his dad was an immigrant Italian and, uh, he also played football at UT and then became a football coach. Um, so he was my husband's coach in high school and, um, yeah, so, um, so I lived, uh, with them 
in New Jersey, and my first job was a catering manager at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> oh, wow. At a, at a college. Yeah. And through that, I met, I used to host the Chamber of Commerce meetings for the Holiday Inn. I'd have to set up the meetings and, um, you know, meet the people coming in for the meeting and make sure that the, the, everything was going smoothly. And through that, I met, there was an Italian man there one night who heard my Southern accent. And the first thing he asked me was, you know, we were chatting and he said, do you sew? And I said, <laughs> well, yeah, I do. And he said, do you want a job? And, um, I was like doing what? And he w- worked for a Japanese company based in New York, um, that had bought out Ameri- had bought out Singer sewing machine and another mm. American made. And my job was to travel the country teaching people how to use the first computer sewing machine. So wow. yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> right place, yeah. right time. That's why I was yeah. So I guess Ryan and I have talked about that that you can uh-huh. do a lot of planning and then your plans don't really turn mm-hmm. out. But yeah. it's always good to maybe just start down a road because you just kind of don't know where it'll lead, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's interesting because you had that sort of uh, that sewing and textile background that has always interested you. And then you sort of had to divert away from it. And then it just kind of found you again. That's right. It <laughs> did. It was. And so it was an awesome job. Um so they had me traveling um, pretty much the whole country, and then I used to do seminars where I would show how to use one. It was kind of like, you know, they'd run an ad in a city, and they'd make it look like mm-hmm. a class, but obviously they're trying to sell them a sewing machine. So, right. so it was kind of weird to be sewing in front of 100 people, you know. <laughs> so, um, And then from that, they branched off into like a cable TV thing at that that's kind of the beginning of cable so we used to be on a a a tv a cable tv sewing show so yeah it was pretty crazy (laughs) so um so I did that and um um and then they I could see that like I didn't get paid a whole lot but I did get Mm. to travel but I would always travel with what whoever their salesperson a salesman they were all men in whatever city that they sent me to, because they would take me to their dealerships where they had the equipment. And um, um, I started seeing that they they made quite a bit more money than I did. So um, so I kind of approached the management, which was mostly Japanese, and they had never had a woman in sales before. Um, so, you know, I expressed, like, well, what, you know, could I try that? And... Um, So they had one territory that was like the worst one and they could never hire anybody to be in it. So, so I volunteered to take it. And that was, um, so they, I moved from New York to Little Rock, Arkansas. (laughs) So (laughs) my territory was Arkansas, um, parts of Missouri, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, a little bit of Tennessee, and I for, and so, like literally, it was the worst. Right. And, right. So, but they figured as a woman, how bad could it be? You know, could I hurt it? Like if I didn't do right. well? Yeah. 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 So, um, so 
it was kind of like I'd had my dream for one minute and then now I'm living back in like the deep mm. south. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, so I went and um, it was, it was, you know, it was way different than anything I had ever done. So, mm. um, and it was kind of lonely because I went to a, a city and I didn't know a soul and, mm. you know, got an apartment um, and I traveled, you know, from town to town. I had to drive to every dealership and then I had to get new people to sell, you know, computer sewing machines and service mm-hmm. their dealers. So um, it was, uh, I, I think it was a good training ground. I had never done anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, since I was never home, it was kind of, it didn't seem, you know, economically prudent to keep an apartment I was never in. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to a, re- a roommate referral service in Little Rock, and um, they matched me up with another girl, kind of similar situation. She was a Stroh's beer girl. So she oh. used to go to those events and look pretty, you know, like race, <laughs> racing events. And she, right. too, had asked to be in sales. So... Oh, they cool. too put her in the worst area they had. Interesting um, trend, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, and she was a really a beautiful girl. She was half Japanese and half Greek, and mm-hmm. she had her own. She had an apartment, so we met and we really hit it off. And that was when wine coolers just first came out. <laughs> so that was her job to go try to sell wine cooler to people in Arkansas. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and at the time they were having elections to for counties that, you know, did allow alcohol to reverse that decision, you know, to oh. not serve alcohol. So, mm-hmm. her job was really challenging and uh but our fridge was always full of wine coolers. So, <laughs> so That's a good perk. <laughs> yeah. So, um so it was different being in the very deep south and mm-hmm. kind of the opinion of women because all the sewing machine dealers I called on were men. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of surprised to be dealing with a woman. And um, it, it, was, it was different. Um, mm-hmm. But I worked really hard. And um, I remember going to one sewing machine dealer in Louisiana. I forget the name of that town. But it was predominantly black, but I didn't know that. You know, mm-hmm. I just put it on my itinerary. But when I drove into town, I did get a lot of looks. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I forget what the name of that town. But I visited the uh, the sewing machine dealer, and um, he was a nice man. And they had, like, rocking chairs on the front <laughs> of the yeah. store. And I, you know, took my little computer machine in there and showed him how it worked. And he thought it was great. But he said, you know... I'm not sure I can sell that here. And I was like, well, sure you can, you know. Um, He said, well, we just had a, we have a bank down the street, and they just recently put in a second lane. And that lane is where you take that tube out of the, you know, out of the little compartment and put your money in it. And then you, (laughs) then it shoots it back to the window. And he said, nobody will use it. Because oh. they, I guess they think they're sending their money into outer space. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so he said, I'm not sure we can do a computer in this town. And I kind of had to agree with him. I wasn't oh, sure we could either. Yeah. 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 So um, 
So from there, uh, one part of my territory was New Orleans, and um, I had never been there before, but I, when I went there, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, coming from dry, you know, non-partying areas where mm-hmm. I pulled into town and you could get a drink while you pumped your gas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Margarita drive-thrus, yeah. Well, yeah, it was like, this is awesome. Um, so, and I made a lot of good friends there. So, um, so I worked really hard for a couple of years and with the thought that if I work really hard, maybe they'll give me one of their good areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that opportunity did come around. Uh, Texas was the best territory. They sold really? the most sew machines of any area of the country. Huh. So that that fellow left, and I, you know, naively thought, oh, you know, I'm one of the top salespeople. You know, I want that one. And uh, mm-hmm. I was told, no, I couldn't have it. So, yeah. so um, after that, I was ready to quit. Um, yeah. You know, I was thinking, this isn't fair. I work, you know, I worked hard. And, yeah, you um, sort of hit a dead end there, yeah. Right. Um uh, so after that, um, I ended up uh, quitting, and I had saved quite a bit of money just because I was never home, and mm-hmm. um, I ended up opening a, a store in the French Quarter um, cool. in, New- yeah, in New Orleans. I've always been into consignment stores, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't cool, <laughs> and uh, so I started one and uh, had a great time, but... Um, I just didn't really like the retail life. I guess I was used to just doing my own thing and keeping my own hours. And when you have a store, you got to kind of be there from right. yeah, 10 to mm-hmm. 6 or whatever. So um, so I ended up selling that and uh, um, then reconnecting with my, uh, with my husband. And he was like, mm-hmm. felt like he was ready now, I guess. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I moved back. I moved to New Jersey. Um, for us to get back together, and at the time, he was working for a friend who owned a environmental service company, and they would go into companies and pack up waste. They specialized in mm. doing lab waste. So he said, they need a salesperson. And I said, well, what would I do? And he said, well, you would sell, like, waste disposal. And I was like, ooh, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so. So I thought, well, what the heck, you know, so um, I remember they they offered, you know, they said I could come work there, and they'd pay me $25,000 a year, mm-hmm. and uh, they put me at a desk, and I cold-called corporations trying to get appointments, so, <laughs> so um, I ended up doing that, we ended up getting married, and I ended up doing that for 16 years after that, um, wow. and I loved it. Um, I specialized in recycling. I would go in mm. and help corporations do better things with their waste or sell it, you know. Um, so I've always been kind of about repurposing, recycling, you know. Yeah, that goes along with the consignment shop, too. It does, yeah. So that's kind of been a running theme uh, mm-hmm. throughout my life. So I still like consignment shops to this day. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I did that, and... Um, that really grew. Um, so I used to go into, re, you know, companies and look at their waste. And sometimes I could sell the waste. Um, mm-hmm. um, and one of my success stories was helping one company that used to have like, I don't know, three truckloads of sludge every week that went to a landfill. And I found a place that would make bricks out of it. 
and wow. you know, for building homes. So I got to travel around the country looking for opportunities and um, mm-hmm. um, and then I wanted I always had the aspiration of making it bigger. And so I kind of started that from like nothing and um, and then I would go and find um, it was hard getting into big corporations because they required such uh, high insurance levels mm-hmm. and a small company really can't offer that. So then I started looking for big companies that would let me partner with them. And um, so I would go in and tell them, you know, this is what we do and, you know, this is what I can do. And if if you let us do it with you, you don't have to pay me anything except 10 percent of of my sales when I start bringing business in. Mm -hmm. So most companies thought that was a good deal because it didn't cost them anything. So um, but then when it always ended up costing them a lot later, then usually I have to start looking for another place to go. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Time to move on. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there, I've always been kind of one of those people that didn't like having rules. Like I had to be at work at a certain hour or time or, you know, mm-hmm. like I had to put my time in. I just never have liked that kind of situation, but there's, you know, it's also risky to be like a commission person. You know, you don't have a steady paycheck. Um, right. So I can remember thinking, you know, just once in my life, I'd just like to go to work and, you know, get a check at the end of the week. And so I ended up getting that wish when we moved back to Tennessee. Um, And I went to work for a nuclear waste company out in Oak Ridge. And I I was put in a cubicle for about a year. And I really hated every minute of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Turned out it wasn't wasn't your jam. No, it really wasn't. Because I, 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 uh, I, I can kind of see Ryan's sister going through a little bit of that. She works at Kimberly Clark. And mm-hmm. she's, she's come home sometimes and said, how come, you know, I put in the same time and I care about my job and I'm with other people that leave at four mm-hmm. and don't care and we make the same. Right. Yeah. So I said, well, it's, it's kind of how life can be, depending yeah. on your choices. So it's a, yeah, there can be kind of, I mean, in, in my search for jobs and sort of evaluating my first big adult job of like what I like about it when I don't, there's sort of, there's the, uh, sort of get, this is your task and you need to get it done sort of job. And then there's also the, this is the amount of time you need to spend in the office right. kind of job, you know? Um, and I guess it just depends on, I think that's a big separation between just different types of people and kind of what they like from and what they want from their jobs. Right. Uh, and it sounds like you're sort of a, a problem solution person. I, mean, I kind of am. Especially yeah. with the, the waste management, you know, sort of how can we uh, take what's like, where can this go? What's the most, the best place for this? What's the best use for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of is. So, but the area, like when I did it here in Oak Ridge, um, so I had to travel a lot of my children's lives. And then um, I remember I didn't want to travel anymore. So, mm-hmm. how could I, what skills could I, you know, use? And somebody said, well, why don't you be a realtor? And I was like, mm-hmm. ha, I don't like realtors. <laughs> <laughs> so. Because they kind of have the connotation of being like used car salespeople, yeah, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I said, I just don't like them. 
So somebody said, well, why don't you just give it a try? You wouldn't have to travel. So I went ahead and got my license and I was introduced to a small real estate company. They were kind of like, you know, a family and uh, he has a website and um, it got so much traffic that people just clicked to see a house. And he said, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is, you know, take, make, I'll send you somebody who wants to see a house and you just show it to him. So hmm. I was thinking, well, okay. Um, so, and then he got to keep a pretty, you know, like we had to split the commission, but you know, if you have a certain skill set, whether if you're in marketing, you can apply it to about anything. So, mm -hmm. yeah. but I, but I do, and that's what I was telling Ryan is that I can't, I'm not good at selling something I don't believe in, you know? So, yeah. um, one of the reasons I was so successful in the waste is because I really believed in recycling. And also I was selling, I worked with my husband at the time and his brother and I believed in what we were doing. So mm -hmm. I think when you, you, when you can convey that, you know, you can be really successful. So, um, so when I went to selling houses, I feel like I'm not the typical person cause I, I really do care. I care that you, somebody gets a good house. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I probably talk more people out of houses than I've sold. Um, <laughs> so, and I feel like a lot of people say that you're not, you're not what I expected. Um, huh. and, and that's a compliment for me um, yeah. <laughs> because it, cause it's true. There are a lot of, a lot of people who don't care. Um, mm -hmm. so, and I know even just talking with Ryan about maybe what he wants to do, I feel like, and you know, like for you and for Ryan, I mean, you, you all are so smart, you know, that there's just so many options for you that I'm sure it is challenging to just pick one, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, it's interesting. Yeah. Thinking through this, your whole career of like, you didn't actually, you didn't stick to one thing, but there were, there were trends and sort of skill sets and things that sort of transcended your career and sort of showed up in every path that you took. Right. I think that's an encouraging thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is, but I, I feel like, too, that, you know, I think things will find you, too. It's not mm -hmm. that you always have to be looking. And um, and for me, what's different probably for me and for Ryan is that, you know, I never, I always had to make a check. I, you know, I didn't have the support I feel like he has, like, mm -hmm. you know, that I had to worry about my car insurance or, you know, keeping mm -hmm. a roof over my head. And so I'm trying to encourage him to be a little bit more lighthearted about this and not take mm -hmm. himself so seriously. Like, you know, what would you do if you, what would you do in life if you didn't have to worry about it paying, you know, mm -hmm. or, or coming with a check? What would you do? Um, mm -hmm. Or what do you want to be able to look back and tell your grandchildren, you know, this is a really cool thing I did when I was 23, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> so... You know, or I always, what I miss most, though, that I'm doing now in real estate is that I would prefer that I was on a team. Like, mm. every all my other, you know, jobs or career paths, I was usually part of a team. And I, and I would I would prefer that over being the Lone Ranger that I am now. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like, you know, who knows if I'm going to stay in real estate. We'll see. I mean... I, I'm I'm really successful, so it's very lucrative right now, so mm -hmm. it'd be kind of crazy not to. But you also have to find things that make it satisfying for you personally, you know, yeah. other than just your check. Mm -hmm. Have you asked yourself that same question, the sort of if it wasn't like what would you what would you want to 
don't know, tell what your grandchildren about. Yeah, what would you want to do? <laughs> like, what well, do you do? It, it's mm-hmm. funny because I am thinking about that because um, I was thinking about, because um, I love school. I would probably want to go back and get a master's, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being around smart people. I like the ideas that come from that. Um, I would love to maybe go back and get an MBA. Um mm-hmm. But then it's uh, what it what it has taught me that the degrees don't really matter. I mean, they do depending on you know. I guess if you want to be a doctor or, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, certain skills just allow you you can really pursue whatever you really want to. Um, yeah. And then, but you usually have to start at the bottom, you know, and learn certain a certain skill set that you can kind of use to go in any direction that you want. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, I'm trying to encourage, like, Ryan maybe to have, like, what, like you know, he had a job in a high school, and I never thought that was the kind of job he was going to like, and he didn't like it probably after about two weeks, and, mm-hmm. but, you know, couldn't quit, you know, you've already made a year commitment, so yeah, I would hesitate to get into things that lock you in, you know, mm, yeah. cause, you know, like, if you start doing it, like, I feel like I sold sewing machines a little bit too long. <laughs> but I but I was so determined to be number one, you know, that mm-hmm. somebody should have said, yeah, this is kind of going nowhere, you know, yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah. you should you should move on, you know, <laughs> so I think that would be my advice. That's yeah, that's a good I think uh, it's overrated than the knowing when to move on. I think it's it an important is. skill. Mm-hmm. It really is. Or to just take what you, you know, after you've gotten what you can out of it to just try something else or, or Mm -hmm. to move on, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's well. So going forward, I mean, throughout your life, as you've thought about careers and what comes next, have your priorities shifted and are they different now than they used to be as you're looking forward for jobs and careers? Yes, I, I would definitely. And just when I think I was getting ready to maybe think about doing something else, you know, you know, Ryan's sister gets mm-hmm. sick and that was just something I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah. cause both my kids, I mean, Taylor's done really well. She's gotten a graduate degree and has a good job and, you know, Ryan was getting out of school. So the economic part, I didn't really have to worry about too much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. so I was ready to start thinking about it, but then, you know, then, you know, Taylor gets sick and, mm-hmm. you know, her, her, her cancer has been, is, it still is life threatening. And, I think there's a lot you can take away from that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, her mortality is kind of in our face, right. you know, quite frequently. But for all of us, it really is. I mean, we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's really true. It's um, so one thing I think, you know, her illness has taught me is that what I'm trying to do is just be a kinder person. You know, like, um, I, I just can't tell you the blessings that have come out of just her illness. Like, um, I, you know, I've, I'm a volunteer. I've done a lot of charity things, but I've never been one of those people that like took somebody a meal or not. I have, but not often mm-hmm. look for opportunities to help people, you know, mm-hmm. more, I feel guilty about that. I probably should do more of that because I was just so busy, you yeah. know, I could justify I'm just busy. Um, and that's not a really good excuse. Um, Hmm. 
So it's taught, I mean, like, I've had strangers knock on my door and hand me dinner. I mean, seriously, people I don't even know. Like, they yeah. just heard. They just heard, I heard your daughter's sick, you know, I thought I'd bring you something. I was like... Oh, wow. Just, yeah, I'm like, wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so, and I, and just in dealing with, you know, helping her through this, um, you know, other people's reaction to it, because I'm kind of in a cutthroat business, and... Mm. Right now I work for a builder and we're just gangbusters right now. So there's like nine of us on my team and we're lucky to have this, you know, this opportunity because I don't ever have to look for business. Like mm-hmm. I sold two houses yesterday without a lot of effort, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's phenomenal, but it's also that it just really makes you, has made me think like, you know, it's, you know, how can I be a kinder person? Because really, at the right. end of the day, I'm not going to lay in that hospital room when it's my time to go and say, wow, I wish I'd sold one more house, you know, like. Right. Yeah. So so I'm doing a lot of reflection and about that. Like, if I'm going to be in real estate, how can I, you know, what can I bring to it that's going to be more satisfying? Like, mm-hmm. one thing I was thinking about, you know, so many people I'm working with are downsizing because they have so much stuff. Yeah. Um, like um, maybe hooking up with a, a ministry that helps homeless people furnish houses. Um, mm. You know, just so I could start funneling in some small way, making this more, you know, more satisfying than just the paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a, a balance. I mean, it's... That's, I think, maybe the conundrum of jobs is that ultimately it is you need to make money. And so if it's a, a cutthroat business, I mean, your one priority is that you need to make money. But also, how can you balance that with being a person that you want to live with? You know, Right. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say it is uh, from a career standpoint, I think. And I think probably maybe that's what Ryan struggles with too. And like he 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 does have a heart for service, and mm-hmm. I think he's turned off by a big business. But also, you know, what could you do that you know? Yeah, making money because is certainly you know a good thing, mm-hmm. um, especially if you can help other people with it. Um, yeah. And then make it satisfying for yourself. So. Because yeah. I, I feel like he's always been good at law because he's just, he can re, he can always assess a situation and, you know, uh, he's good at research and problem solving too. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things he said to me, he said, well, there's 5,000 lawyers, you know. Um, mm. And I said, yeah, but there's only one you. I mean, I could have said the same thing about realtors. How many of them, how many realtors are out there, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, like, so you can't really let that get in your way either that there's a lot of something but mm-hmm. what is it uh like being a sort of the parent of of I guess two kids who are kind of going are in their 20s and going through this career beginning sort of beginning of their career is it exciting or nerve-wracking or all of the above <laughs> <laughs> um I yeah I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it is all of the above, because for each mm-hmm. of them, it's it's different. Um, for my daughter, I think um, I've been surprised that she's, I would like her to be more of a risk taker, mm-hmm. um, but she's, she's a, you know, she's doing well at her job, but 
you know, she's really getting caught up in the corporate kind of the thinking that I've got to stay there and put in my time to move up. And I mean, there's really nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. just, it goes against pretty much everything I, I would want. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I think, but I want to be supportive because not everybody wants to take risk, you know, like, mm-hmm. but but I've also seen the other side of it is that sometimes it, you ha- it's an illusion of security. It's not really, you know, like right. companies get rid of people, you know, they mm-hmm. don't value, you know, the time you put in, you know, so yeah. maybe I've had to deal with more turbulence than my children have. So I guess I feel like I'd like them to be better equipped to mm. be able to land on their feet than, than putting their faith in you know, a company is going to take care of them, which I don't think Ryan does, but I think he, he also is a perfectionist and he wants every decision to be a a good one. And Mm -hmm. we can't know that we can't, you know, if you wait for that, you'll just spend your life waiting. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So might as well just jump into something and then, you know, and there's no shame. And if it, if you don't like it or it doesn't work out that, you move on. I was telling him, I was reading an article about a woman who set a goal of how many rejections could she get. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So just start applying for stuff. And, and it turns out she got a, a lot less than she, her goal. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> because I was telling him when you read these job descriptions, you know, companies ask for the world and they're not going to mm-hmm. find it. Um, the job I got in Oak Ridge, I applied for. Um, it was actually the like a military contractor, and mm. like I had none of the things. Yeah. <laughs> I had like one thing they were looking for, and I remember in my interview that you know I'd I'd kind of been a freelance kind of person, and um, they were looking for somebody to help them get private contracts because all the all the all the business they had was from the government, and mm-hmm. um, they were losing contracts. Um, so I remember when he called me to hire me, I was kind of like, are you sure it was me? <laughs> Did you pick up the right resume? Are you sure you looked at the right resume? Cause, um, and it was probably a red flag right then, but they did pay me quite a bit of money, but it was, it was, I did not enjoy the job. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it taught me that, you know, if you can just get in for an interview, you can usually sell yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so if you just apply that concept to just looking for cool things to do and why not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of feels like, uh, and as like any decision is a really binding decision when maybe that's, and maybe that doesn't actually go away. <laughs> that's still, uh, down the road. That's still, it still feels that way. I think that makes it, you know, like what, which way do I want to go? Like I need to pick the right one so that I'm going the right direction, but really it's, it's just sort of a web that leads to another place. And I think your career path is a good testament to that because it's gone in many different directions and always seems yeah. to end up pretty good, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think of you, you know, and, and truly maybe if I had given more thought to it, you know, or if, if my parents had given me a little bit more input, I would, I wish I had gone on to get a, a more advanced degree mm-hmm. instead of, you know, but I did do a lot of, had a lot of adventure. So, um, yeah. but I, I, I feel like, um, like I said, I still enjoy school. I would, I would be, I think it'd be fun to go back 
now mm-hmm. and it didn't really matter, you know, like, yeah, you know, that it didn't matter about grades. Cause I can even remember talking to Ryan, like I was surprised that he chose Davidson and I was like, hmm. you know, he's a kid who always used to get A's without trying. I was like, don't you want to go somewhere where you could have a little bit more fun? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, and he said he, he wanted to go to learn, you know, not Mm -hmm. that the grades weren't important. So, so Hmm. yeah, I don't know. Cause Davidson seemed kind of small. Yeah. It's pretty fun too. (laughs) Yeah. That's what he said. So, so it's been good for him, but, but I also, I, maybe it's a liberal arts education versus a public university that Mm. like, that I think he did learn a lot, but it's kind of like. I feel like he's still, like, how do you decide what you want to do next? Oh, yeah. Like, like, I don't think he got a lot of advice or, (laughs) you know, in that department. Maybe it's just the English department didn't do very good, you know, advising. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I felt that way, too. I mean, I I remember I was really proud of myself when I I finally went to the career uh, center because they'd been telling us to do it for four years and my fourth year I went in I was like look at me go I'm finally yeah. doing it you're a welcome world and yeah. I got in and they were like how can we help you and I was like I don't know tell me what to do <laughs> but I think it's just like to a certain extent you just have to I don't know you gotta try something <laughs> like, like what do you want me to do about it yeah so. um and I had told Ryan I think it would be an interesting extension of this conversation to to ask some of the professors that were there what mm-hmm. they what they did, you know, like, because yeah. uh, I feel like every college or senior is starting to panic, you know, yeah. like, m- probably more so for your generation than mine. Um, but mm-hmm. everybody, you know, everybody's so hyper competitive, um, you know, like, look at me where I'm going next. Yeah. And, you know, that I've got it, I've got it all together. And, you know, most people don't. You know, they might put on that persona that they do, but they really, really don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a I know good thing it's, to remember. It really is. Because um, I know I know Ryan's struggling with that right now. Um, yeah. And I don't think you just want to jump on something to fill your time, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, you do have a lot going for you. You have a lot of skills. And, um, you know, skills. Skills. might as well try, try using them. That interview was much different than the one I had with Jody uh, because my mom just ran. <laughs> it was with awesome. <laughs> and knew her story and talked. And I thought that was really cool that she did that because I think that says a lot about her that she just takes charge with this kind of stuff um, and with charging a lot of things in life and like just like is like so has like not told her story like that ever before because I didn't really know like the whole chronology of events that got her to where she is now with our family and I mean she's always been like the leader of our family in in a big way and yeah, it was just so, it was very clearly, like, a, a Leslie interview of, like, she was in charge of her story, and she knew what she wanted was to say. Was it weird to, um, like, 
have had you ever heard your mom lay it all out like that before in that way no i haven't it's always been bits yeah. and pieces i mean she laid out a little bit of it when we talked before like and she agreed to do um the interview but never yeah never that comprehensive never really charting like what brought her to where and just the really the coincidences in life that just kind of happened that she got to be like the story where she got hired for the sewing machine sales position just because she was working as a caterer at a holiday inn in new jersey and some businessman there was like hey do you have a southern accent and she's like yeah and that qualified her enough to be a saleswoman (laughs) with this dude was there anything that surprised you i'd never heard that that before stood out to you was something surprising um hmm i think what surprised me was again just like she really Mm -hmm. took charge of it um she was very kind of like on a roll and like really liking the story she was telling as she told it and i guess the sexism that's really affected my mom's life um because that i never thought i mean like you know i mean i guess i've really only learned a lot about it in college like beforehand i didn't really know what feminism or sexism was but um the fact that she like couldn't move to the top sales position even though she was the top performer because the sales company didn't trust her with being a woman um I mean, the kind of difficulty in starting a business by herself in that store Mm -hmm. she owned as a woman. And yeah, there's been a lot of moments where she's been punished for her success in a way that I don't think a man would have or really anybody else in the modern time would. Um, So it's very much like a product. She's a product of her Mm -hmm. time, um, which like saw more women in the workforce, but definitely it was not a easy thing as i think it kind of gets glossed over now yeah it was interesting like that she can and like so directly see that tie in the i mean it's just when you lay out the whole career like that and look at all of the different places where she was not allowed to have the opportunities that she deserved um it was just like very easy to see and she talks about it in such a matter-of-fact way because i feel like that's just the way your career goes in certain in some ways it's like that's just part of being a woman in the workforce at that time which we we beat that right it's all good now right well <laughs> i think we figured it out <laughs> uh, well, let's look at that uh wage oh, right, gap. that thing uh, I forgot. not great yeah. that that old thing um but i mean I don't know. I mean, you, you, your experience can speak to this more. I feel like there's more resources mm-hmm. and there might be more mentorship for women how to navigate the workforce. And my mom, growing up, never really had any support. Um, her parents were just kind of never were there to support her. They were very laissez-faire, mm-hmm. hands-off about it. And she just kind of had to figure out a way to scrap it out herself. Like, I don't know. I've been, she's really supported me a lot because she hasn't right. been supported. So I have like a ton of advantages and privileges she never had and a lot of clarity she probably didn't have because she was just mm-hmm. wading through the stuff. So I feel like women now might be able to chart paths a lot more clearly 
or as before i mean there might not be great paths and there might i think there are definitely still restrictions to those pathways like you don't see a lot of women ceos you don't see a lot of um women starting stuff as easily but they can stay i think it's a little clearer there are some tracks now that they're yeah i think what do you I think? mean i haven't been <laughs> working in the world for very long i definitely don't feel i don't know i don't know how to how to feel that but like i think the one of the biggest issues of like success and what determines whether or not you're going to succeed or whether you have people who have your same identity or experience who uh, can act in that mentor position. And so women going through the workforce, when your mom started her career, there was just very few women who would be in that mentorship role because they weren't, I mean, a woman in a powerful position was much rarer than it is today. But today... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but today, as I'm starting my career, there's so many women in my office who I could look up to and who have like, and it's women like your mom who have have had this career through um, all of these different, like a different time than what I have experienced that are able to represent something that young people can now aspire to. It's like the, there's now representation because those women were badasses and stuck it out. That's pretty cool. But I work with tons of women, and there's a lot of really great... I guess, actually, there's only one woman. No, fuck, I hadn't even thought about that. There's only, I think, <laughs> one woman who's, like, in the the head circle, like, the circle of, of rulers, uh... supreme rulers in our, in our non-profit. <laughs> huh. It's probably, like, a token thing. Like, oh, yeah, we, like, She's there's a woman in too. here, like... She's back off. Cool. cool okay, lady. that's cool. Hmm, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But that's like that's the thing is like, it's not because our organization only wants to hire men. It's because who has gotten to the like, gone through, had given the opportunities to go through the ropes to be in that position. It's like well, mostly men. Yeah, yeah, uh, mostly men. And I think I think there's a lot of there's all, I mean obviously there's a lot of gendered stuff with it. But I know my mom right now as her story keeps on going because you know she's asking the question uh what do, what do i want to be when i grow up what am i going to do with my life um because yeah i mean in real estate it's really mm -hmm. dependent on the market um but she she's able to like i don't know actually no she's not able to really advance anywhere when she's in that kind of commission role but more so like because she's old she's mm -hmm. older she's 60 like people aren't looking to hire older women and she's a mother and there's a lot of discrimination mm -hmm. in the workplace for mothers and a lot of um the idea that if you're taking care of someone at home that oh that's your number one commitment your job right. isn't the number one commitment which is the expectation for men and that they are the ones working the hardest, they are mm -hmm. providing, they're the workers. Like that's still the assumption or that's still what a lot of businesses are built around yeah, that idea sure. of. That men are gonna be the ones to, you know, work, you know, 60, 70 plus hour right. work weeks. Um, and so for, yeah, women, if you're a mother, like, I mean, there are even women who advocate like, yeah, women shouldn't be mothers so we can have more women right. CEOs. Um, 
But I think that, I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think the bigger issue is that the whole system of determining who gets advanced or promoted, or who gets to advance or who gets promoted, is that it's determined by, again, these, like, older men who have a very, they have a very set way about things, and they hold all the power in a very yeah. vertical structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fuck, I forgot. I was, I had a, um, Are you good? I got distracted because I made myself laugh. I had a joke in my head and I distracted myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, I can't remember what it was because I was like, <laughs> it wasn't funny. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, well, good. I'm glad that we, uh, I'm glad that we solved the, the gender crisis in the workforce. G- good job. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, good job us. I, another thing I wanted to add as a as, as a, a man as a man tell me as a man <laughs> lower my voice um is that when you're not really like working to provide for a family or like I don't really have a particular reason to want to work 60 or 70 hours you have a lot of guys who are just stuck in limbo being like uh okay uh I guess I can devote myself yeah. to this company but like why I don't they don't really have a family to provide for mm-hmm. so like why I don't know, that whole struct, that whole gendered structure is kind of unraveling, yeah. so it's like, men, a lot of men are just like, okay, I'm just gonna work and play video games, or like, kind of do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't really want kids, at least I don't think I do, like right now, that's my reality, is that I don't think I want kids, but then like, I also don't want to be, I don't really care about my career either, <laughs> so what does that leave me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you expected to do when you like don't really want to like i don't know so really sell your soul to yeah it, I guess. what are we supposed to do email us let us know <laughs> email us <laughs> please tell yeah. us um well with my mom well with my mom it's like it's always it's always a question like it's a question that's never like there's never an ultimate answer to because that's really unhealthy um to be like i'm going to be mm-hmm. a ceo and that's that and if, but if, you know, life is chaotic and if, I mean, if you're a woman, that, that probably won't happen, might not happen. Um, or even if it does, like the company might go under and you might just be left like, okay, now what do I do? Like what's, yeah, what's the and purpose that's like, now? <laughs> that was my big takeaway from my interview with your mom, which was that she, um, she didn't have a very like a career that was like this thing built on this and this thing and this thing. It's like progressing through a company or even through an industry. She jumped around a lot and was in different types of industries. She's in a different place now than she was when she started. But when you start, when you lay it all out like that, and when she explains the entire career, you can see these different trends that link it all together. Um, That even though she wasn't doing Mm -hmm. the same thing for years and years and years, it was all kind of coming back to the same stuff. She was a problem solver. She likes, uh, she, you know, she's hardworking. There were these sort of, these threads that were true no matter what job she had. And maybe that's the mm-hmm. the important takeaway that I took, which was, you don't, a career doesn't mean a, a ladder through an industry or through a particular type of job. It just it's it can change and shift mm-hmm. more than that and in, in an mm-hmm. instant right like shit can go down and you just you're you're forced to change the yeah. way you're going about stuff 
And yeah, I like my that was like pretty much my takeaway too was my major takeaway too was that she had no plan really right. going forward. She just was cut off financially from her parents in college. She had to work her way through college and it was like, yeah, I just, she has to make money. Like she has to figure out a way to do that and do like stuff she doesn't she that she likes and like you said those threads and those trends emerged and then looking back it forms into a nice narrative that she is a you know fix she's a problem solver she likes to innovate and help repurpose things Mm -hmm. recycle things kind of try and eliminate waste and try to be be a Mm -hmm. good person and believe do stuff she believes in and especially with the environmental work she did even amidst like you know kind of some like nasty and kind of ignorant people and like i don't know people that also like yeah screwed her over Um, yeah and it was the same i think with jody i think which was that instead of thinking about like what he wanted to do he was like what of what parts of the things that i've done have i liked and he was like well I, i need to work with people i'm a people person like i'm i i've worked well with sales before so like he was seeing these trends of his what he liked to do and what he was good at. So I think the him working well with people and, and wanting to work with people was part of why he is interested in movies. And that's why it, it sort of like fuels his background in the film business of like empathizing with people and connecting with people. But then also it's the same reason why he's good at sales. So it's like the same thing, but in a, very different contexts and it makes him have these strengths in different areas right and i mean what struck me from talking to him was he wanted to if he could do one thing he wanted to connect with people and that i mean you don't necessarily need a job for that but like you said like he's wants to find a job wants to find a thing he can do where he talks to people a lot and like you know no one wakes up being like, oh, I want to work for Enterprise as a customer right. support rep. Or like, oh, I want to be a realtor. Yeah. Nobody yeah. <laughs> does that, at least that I know of. Like, both of them needed money. Mm-hmm. Both my mom and Jody just needed money right off the bat. And they, yeah, they wanted to socialize. They wanted to connect with people. They didn't want to be alone. Do you think you could do sales? You know, I've kind of had that thought with conversations with my mom because i'm very Mm -hmm. different from her in some ways and that she knows how to like befriend people instantly (laughs) i don't or if i do i go about it a very different way i'm much more laid back and i restrain myself a lot uh as an introvert so i mean i mean i just restrain myself it's not necessarily an introverted thing um i'm an introvert but i think i know how to like talk to people enough to like or listen to them enough to then figure out what they want so i think i could but i think sales would yeah. really tire me um but i thought yeah i've kind of thought about it i would have thought sales. about doing sales that's my <laughs> i'm pretty sure i would <laughs> never ever do sales i've realized that i need to be doing something where i'm creating something that's like mm-hmm. i i i feel like i'm wasting time whenever I'm not making something. So in my job, there's a lot of like, I do the digital side of our campaigns that we run. So I make like posts for our social media and I make like interactive data charts and like 
videos and stuff. And if I'm not making something, then it feels like a waste of time, which I is not true. <laughs> like, um, but persuading people or like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would be happy in anything other than a content creation job. I've realized. Mm-hmm. Or you make, you make something, there's a yeah. tangible thing you make or like something you yeah. send out. Whereas with persuading people, like, that is honestly just, that feels like a Mm -hmm. shot in the dark to me, too. I don't know if, like, some people can do it deliberately. Like, I cannot. (laughs) Like, I I can't, (laughs) like, make someone do anything. I have to think about that as just kind of mind-boggling. And I'm like, I don't know how to manipulate people. If I even if I try that was an I interesting link between your mom and Jody also, which was that they think they're both really good salespeople because they only, be, they only sell things like they're not liars, you know, like they, they believe, they believe in the it. things they're selling right. you and that makes them good salespeople. Um, like they're sort of, which makes sense, you know, because people can tell when you're full of bullshit usually, unless you're, I don't know, like Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a that's an interesting <laughs> example but yeah it's valid. Like a psychopath, uh, <laughs> I, guess. Uh, I mean i don't want I, nobody wanted what no. he was selling Definitely about not. That. <laughs> um but yeah no i think that's exactly right that they believe in what they're selling and uh, my mom actually had told me i don't know if you guys covered this but she went to this really small town in louisiana um, where I think their biggest technical technological innovation was like um, getting like Amazing. an ATM yeah. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> like ATMs, that was new man. for them. And she was tasked with trying to sell this like new computer. Yeah, she did tell me about machine. this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't there. That was the. That was so funny. Um, just because, like, the, yeah, the store owner was just like, yeah, that sounds cool, but, like, I would n- nobody right. would know how to use that. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting how she, her interpretation of real estate mm-hmm. is fascinating. Because she's found a lot more meaning in it than, like, I think most people would at first glance. Like, she, I mean, when she talks about it, like, it's helping someone through a major life yeah. transition. It's helping someone after a divorce, like when they get married. Like there's a lot of baggage that comes with buying a house. It's such a long-term investment. It's such a commitment. And um, I don't know. She sees it a lot as really helping people settle and acclimate to a new area and like. Or yeah, a new time it's such a. I mean, when um, you're getting, if you're buying a house, you're going through. That's a a a joint in like the cogs of your life. Like that's a transition period. So she deals in transitions basically you know like she's only working with people who are going through uh changes and transformations which is pretty crazy yeah yeah. and finding a new home like finding a new place where which will contain so many memories or like people have a really hard time parting from a home where they've associated so much so many experiences with it um (laughs) homes are very strange um yeah it's really there could be a whole real estate podcast, but maybe we'll, maybe it'll become can. a real estate podcast. 
Oh, what are you? So the question of what are you going to be when you grow up, or like what are you going to do with your life? Um, it's weird. We all instantly think of career as mm-hmm. the first thing to do, because in our you know American capitalist culture, like that is our main identifier is like what we how we work, what we do, our labor. Um, but it's interesting that I don't know. I feel like other things don't get factored in as much or if they do they're like as hobbies like someone might be doing a job so they can do their art so i just wanted to qualify that you know we're not this isn't a career podcast this isn't like a how-to or like a i don't know even like a self-help kind of thing i mean it's helping us hopefully just talking about it um but it's more of unpacking like what we want to do with our lives whether that's career whether that's passion wise and how we built that and how uh, we, yeah, how we go about Ditto. that. What do you think Ted Bundy wanted to be when he grew up? Who? I'm going to look that Ted up, Bundy. actually. Hold on. What did you want I to don't be? know. Because he, he was really I know, that's why I said that. Because he was, because uh, people bought his bullshit, even though he was lying. Like psychopaths do. Right. I mean, he was, was he the one where he was a No, clown? that was John Wayne Gacy, right? Not like... That was John so. Wayne Gacy. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. That was a Sufjan Stevens There's a Sufjan Stevens song about John um, Wayne Gacy. <laughs> yeah, you don't know that? that? Oh, it's it's yeah. heartbreaking and beautiful. Um, I'll have to look that but, up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, it's like my favorite song by him. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... That's actually a really good <laughs> question because I don't know what possesses someone to be like okay i'm gonna be that's just gonna be my defining legacy obviously they don't think of it like they don't think of it like that but like i don't know i'm just gonna decide to kill people that's the yeah, thing man. i really want <laughs> to be with what, what like, i want to do with my I mean, life yeah oh well what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid like career days coming around what did ryan, uh, little I, ryan rotella dress up as so little ryan rotella dressed he wanted to Hell be a yeah. construction worker <laughs> like I drew that and my parents were like you are not going to be that <laughs> you're not going to construct because obviously like I was like oh, I like course, their little outfits yeah. um, and the hard hat um, I loved hats mm-hmm. still love hats and I also wanted to be a major league baseball I wanted to be player. a professional soccer player so or a veterinarian uh, yeah oh or I see that yeah but um, a few different things Hmm. Do you feel like uh, maybe they squashed a dream of yours to become a construction worker and that was actually your destiny, but they they put you on a different path? Ooh, maybe. Uh, I mean, they put me on a better (laughs) path. Probably. (laughs) I don't think most people who work construction do it because they really have a burning desire to wake up at 4 a.m. and (laughs) <laughs> do a lot of long hard work okay well if you um, same question you asked jody if you could be like virtuosic is that how you say that in anything like really good at anything sure what would it be Ooh, that's a good question <laughs> what a great interview question <laughs> <laughs> Who thought of that? Uh, be i'd be the master yeah. podcaster no uh <laughs> yeah. uh no word uh no i would 
Honestly, Ooh. pianist. That would be a master pianist. That would be That's super dope. But also, I guess, um, I guess entertainer. That would be a master entertainer to make it more yeah. like broad. Mm-hmm. I, f- I really, I really admire people hmm. who do that. I mean, some of them are scumbags, but you know, I mean, what they do, what they give to people, is really cool. And I guess I've always wanted to give that or supply that to people because I feel like I. Or like like that joy to people because I feel like growing up I was just kind of shut off and kind of awkward not kind I was really awkward and shy um, but I really wanted to like figure out how to connect with people and also just kind of figure me out and I don't know I feel like a lot of comedy is and a lot of entertainment is around that yeah. idea how do we connect with and that's another way of connecting with people um so, I'll ask oh, you. Oh, tightrope walker around. for sure. <laughs> tightrope? Oh. I don't yeah. know. If I could choose anything, <laughs> maybe guitar, maybe writing. Mm. Um, I guess the things I'm good at, I feel even better about being good at them because they took a long time to hone. So... I don't know, thinking about that, like, what's something that I would want to be good at? It's like, well, would it even be as interesting or meaningful if I just, like, wished for it and got it? But, you know what I mean? But maybe... Yeah, maybe writing. Hmm. So, let's let's go back to Jody for a little bit. Um, I feel like we haven't talked about his interview a ton. The big thing that stands out that he's kind of at the edge of, like, I'm doing this job, I'm making more money than I ever have, and, you know, kind of succeeded in fulfilling the expectation of being the first person to graduate college from his family mm-hmm. and out of the job. Like, he's kind of fulfilled that expectation placed upon him. Um, and now he's like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll just do... Mm-hmm whatever so i don't know what your thoughts were about like maybe what do you th- what do you think Jody's that is such a good question i'm so fascinated to figure out what he does a lot of people that i've talked to like with his friends were all kind of like yeah jody's gonna be a fucking millionaire one day i don't know he just has like he's got a great work ethic he works really hard and people love him and he's good at stuff like he's you just generally pretty good at what he does um I don't know. It's because it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do, like where he wants to take whatever it is. Because I think uh, Enterprise, this job is very hard and it's super, super intense. And uh, I think it can really burn you out. Right, because he's working yeah. twelve-hour days, and every does he other work Saturday too, yeah. or like every every other Saturday. Okay, so yeah, he's doing like on and on and off. He's doing um, what is it like seventy-two? It's it's crazy hours count. A week or I mean, it's like yeah, it's in that range. And I think um, things tend to feel like forever. Sometimes. I like when I started this job. I love this job. It's right up my alley. It's pretty much everything I need right now. 
helping defend the environment by making videos like that's if i could write that on a at some point i'm sure i wrote that on a little post-it note and put it in a wish jar or something because that's exactly what i need to be doing right now but when i started i was like all right this is forever because there's no school anymore there's no deadline and there's no timeline it's just like you jump in and you swim until you find the next pool and i think that can be scary and annoying and um, disheartening. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also yeah. kind of cool um, in a way. Like my mom, I remember from my mom's interview that she said her one of her biggest regrets was not knowing when to yeah. leave something, like when to get out of a situation sure. and start something new. Which I thought was really interesting to like just you gotta there is just an innate sense of or an instinct of like all right yeah this isn't cutting it out um this isn't for me i need to just try something else um just kind of wash kind of like uh, erase the board which is cool because like i don't know we have the privilege to be yeah. able to say to do that and be like all right yeah if this doesn't work out i'll go back home i'll just move to something else so just yeah spin the wheel Though I actually, I'm, I actually want to ask that. Like, is that, is that more or less the case now in our time than it was in my mom's time? Because I think, I think there are a lot of precarious, lower quality jobs. Like for our generation, I think there's not. Like, I don't think there are as many jobs mm -hmm. in supply uh, for us. Or if they are, it's a lot of like. Um, you know, maybe you work as like an independent contractor, you know, either through like Uber or like a, as a dog walker or even for like a company so that they don't really give you a ton of benefits. Maybe you work for a couple of months and then if like they decide to cut your branch of the company, like, I don't know, you're out of a job again. Like you're just kind of, it's always rotating. Like we're trying on a lot of different careers. Um, so that's a long question, but do you think... Do you think it's easier for us to easier for us to drop and change stuff now than it is yeah. back then? I mean, well, there's more, you know, hashtag gig economy. Like, there are options for mm -hmm. people who don't uh, have a traditional career, who lost their job, who like it's you know you just sign up for Uber in the in in the interim and you um, like when I was working. I, when I graduated, I was looking for a full-time job, but in the meantime, I was working these, like, gig jobs, like, transcriptioning and working for this um, freelance company, and, like, there's just a lot more available, I think, now to supplement um, where maybe before it would have been, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's easier to have those gig jobs now, for sure. But then that leaves. So the idea of a career is shifting and, you know, less people have health insurance because they're not working for a company and there's more independent contractors. And so that's scary. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of. Is it fair to say there's a lot of supplementary jobs, but there's not a lot of like sustaining or like like career defining jobs or I guess like. There's not a lot of jobs to sustain them in and of themselves. Yeah. Um, to be sta like it's all destabilizing. I feel like a lot of their like 
our economy is <laughs> i don't want to like send the you know dow crashing <laughs> but or maybe i do but i feel like a lot of it i like the traditional ways that of a career like you're saying yeah. are destabilized and that there's yeah there's a bunch of little stuff to do but it's not enough to combat like higher yeah it's like it's the kind of the issue of like the cab drivers and uber where uber is becoming this really easy way to make money while you're looking for a job or just like as a job um and it's something a lot of people are opting into but then like the career of a cab driver where you you know have this you have a retirement plan because you have your whatever it's your medallion or whatever it's called you know what i'm talking about um Mm -hmm. it's like it's a career of driving a taxi you have you you know you have your resources and your in your cab and your license um but that is falling to the wayside in favor of this gig economy of like you know 20 year olds driving uber so it's just changing the way it's it's changing the way that even you're compensated um like with a taxi job like you said once you get the medallion um you and your license like you are set like you are a taxi driver Mm -hmm. of the city um case closed people pay you pretty directly once you pay that fee or um, i don't know if there's a monthly fee for maintaining that license or whatever uh but with uber like you are technically you're technically you're a contractor for that company you know you kind of work for them but you kind of don't but basically from talking to other uber drivers they take a pretty big chunk of what like a customer pays Mm -hmm. you for the ride the app does since they're like they are sharing the ride they're the host yeah uh company and so you aren't really getting paid a lot of what the people are paying you per person and then you have to pay gas money like you have to pay that it's not really what the money you get with the little money you get paid and then um yeah, so you have to do a lot to, like, I don't know, to even, like, maybe scratch what, like, a taxi yeah. driver makes just by, like, doing right. the same thing. It, I would I would be interested, because I'm not an economist, if a taxi cab driver makes more on each ride than We should talk driver. to um, someone who knows about this. <laughs> we should interview someone. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be It'd be cool if we like, <laughs> yeah, if we talked to someone who actually knew what this they were talking I about. I think that I, I took from my conversation with your mom, Leslie, that was like, super like what you you just mentioned it a, a little while ago of like knowing when to leave something. Um, that is such, God, I wish I knew how to do that. I had such a rough time coming to Denver. And I was so miserable for a while and I really wanted to quit and go back home. And I was like, I'm, I'm just unhappy. Like, I don't want to spend any more time being unhappy. Like I want to, going home makes me happy. That's what I want to do. And I came home for a weekend and I spoke to one friend who moved to Kentucky to go to school. And she was like, and then she, after a few months, she was so unhappy. She came back. And she was like, it was the best decision I made was like giving up. And I spoke to another friend who moved to Charlotte and was so unhappy and she stuck it out. She was like, it was the best decision I made. And I was like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, tell me one or the other. (laughs) So I finally was like, 
well, I'll stick it out a couple more weeks. I'll stick it out a couple more weeks until finally I forgot that I was miserable. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how to decide how you know when to quit and when and when to stick it out. I wish that if that was one thing that I could be good at, I would like that as a skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely a skill we're still developing as we just got out of school and like we're still really young. Um, and I guess, I mean, when you get older, you literally just like have less expected time to live. <laughs> so you like, you're like, I mean, that's dark, but like, I don't know, like you've got time is more precious and you're just like, I don't want to put around with shit. I don't have to, I don't want to, uh, or if I don't have to, like I won't put up with mm-hmm. it. So like, fuck this if it's bad or screw this. if It's bad. I don't know. I don't want to have but in a uh, <laughs> yeah uh, in lost in translation bill murray says the more you know what you want the less you let things bother you <laughs> it's like mm. i don't know you start to figure out what's worth it and what's not i guess yeah and i don't know it's that old cliche of youth is wasted yeah. on the young like we're still figuring out what we want and kind of who we are like fundamentally in our wants whereas someone older is like okay yeah i can look back and now i know what i want and if i could if i could go back and do it i would i would know better ways to do it mm-hmm. um but obviously it doesn't work like that um so i want to wrap up our lovely discussion thank you um, Ryan. thank you graham with my oh, you're welcome uh of uh kind of my i guess my cap to the episode and i want to hear your your take on it but uh in regards to expectations fuck them fuck expectations fuck what you're supposed to do fuck the question that you're supposed to answer on graduation of like oh what are you going to do i'm going to work for bank consulting i'm going to work for a bank or whatever the hell like it is really just there's not a lot of you can do for planning like you just really have to go on what you want it's your life at a certain point. It's not your parents. It's not the what dream they have of like if you're a first generation generation college student or if you are like, you know, the one to better the family. Like at a certain point, you have to take ownership of your life and be like, this is mine. This is how I'm going to choose to define it. But also, you know, in those stories of like, you know, what are we going to what am I going to do with my life? It's really isolating. So I, I think also, like, fuck the expectation of, like, you having to do it alone. Of you having to be, like, this hero's journey story that only you have to conquer. This, like, beast of, like, what is, like, of definition of, like, what to do. And I think, I don't know, and I even talked to my mom, and talking to, or listening to my mom, and talking to Jody. Connection is really valued. And I think community and being connecting with people is a lot more important than, um, you know, whatever activity. Fuck it may yes. Be. Sorry, that Dude, was a big. That was a never big. Never let thing. anyone tell you what to uh, do. What do you think? Spit in their face if they do, <laughs> explicitly or yeah. implicitly, because people will try to explicitly right. tell you what to do. Like Graham, you have to do this training, and you have to learn how to connect with people in our network. But they'll also implicitly try to tell you what to do all the time and by saying, you know, oh, you want to be a teacher or expecting you to do certain things. And 
people are really smart and people always figure out how to do it, you know. Everybody eventually becomes an adult if you make it that far. So I feel like, you know, right. we think, how am I going to figure this out? And we, when in reality, it's just, well, you just do. There is no how. <laughs> it just happens. You figure out what you yeah. need to. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, shit just happens. Um, well, we spent <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> talking about <laughs> yeah. shit happening. Um, I also This is also all to say, like, you know, if you got to work a job that you have to, like, if you got to get something that pays the bills or the rent, Mm-hmm. Like Jody talking about it, working in a factory or his dad working there. Like, that's what you got to do. Like, there's not a lot of mobility if you're born without some kind of family mm-hmm. or generational wealth. Like, there's not a lot you can do in terms of like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to go like wander off and do whatever it is to a certain point. You're kind of you're really limited. Um by those circumstances i think there's a lot of talk and education about overcoming them but even with that they're always qualifiers of like well you have to get a certain test score if you want to access college you have to there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through that i mean if you're a poorer person like you already have to jump through a ton of and i liked i liked how jody Um, ended his his sort of ruminations on how you never get anywhere without someone else's help and one of his biggest aspirations is to be in a position where he can pass that help on to other people. Like, it's all about... Yes. It's all about the humans in your life. I mean, that's that's all, that's all we get. Other humans. Right. And, you know, paying it forward to help other people out when you've been helped. And I think that speaks a lot to, I mean, our whiteness. Um, when, again, like a lot of people who don't have generational wealth, like um black people people of color um like they don't have that (laughs) on the opportunity or help so readily available so i think it's important Mm -hmm. to carve those spaces out um and yeah we all need to we all need to talk to each other and get together which is what i'm doing with my reciprocating with my friend ryan (laughs) you're a good human ryan (laughs) and if you're a good human too graham thank you any other um, final thoughts? The mannequin standing behind you. I have been watching it this entire time, waiting for it to slowly turn around and look straight at me. <laughs> Folks are on a video call right now, and there happens to be a mannequin, which I'm using to sell clothes from my closet. If you're interested. Um, <laughs> if you're interested, check out Poshmark. Um, it's, it's a work in progress, but it'll be up. Just sold a lot of furniture and from our family's garage, because we are slowly gonna move out transition. of this house um so another a big transition so folks uh, our podcast right. is making moves here um if you want to email us any suggestions uh ideas of what to do next people we want to interview topics we want to cover what we should do um what we, sh- we might what do, ryan and i should be what when we, we should grow do up. at all like any <laughs> any advice or any like any criticism any if you're like wow like you talk you said uh but or um a lot or you did this thing badly like tell, please tell ryan please i have tell me how i have I'm bad. Uh, thin skin <laughs> so don't tell me <laughs> only criticize ryan um please i i welcome it does the mannequin have Not a name really uh but you know whatever um no 
Lawrence. Does not. Lawrence. That's his name. That's his name. Sorry, sorry. Lawrence. Sorry, Lawrence. Um, looked over my shoulder. Say so sorry uh, to a mannequin. That's Just my life right now. Um, but our, but that email, the email you can use for suggestions, ideas is growuppod95 at gmail.com. So send it that way. We'll check it out. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening so much if you're listening. If you're out there. And stay tuned for what we do next. If you're out there, I and mean, maybe no one listens to this, that's fine. At least Lawrence it's will cool. listen. At least Lawrence listens. And yeah, we might do like a more broad topic, like maybe unpacking the history of the question more. We might do a certain um, like like job, like a, like a sports job or someone working in politics. Um, Stay tuned. But yeah, we'll see how the show evolves. And this is just kind of an experiment uh, we wanted to try out. So thank you for Love you guys. Listening again. All right, folks. See, see you soon. See you very soon. <laughs>